0: Let's pray together. Father, as we look into your Word today, Spirit of God, we need your help again to understand your Word. Lord, we don't want my thoughts or anybody else's thoughts. We want your thoughts. We want your wisdom. And Spirit of God, you said you are the Spirit of truth, and you promised to reveal your truth to us. So as we look at your Word today, reveal your truth, we pray into each of our hearts. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. We're keeping on with our series on understanding how God speaks to us. And we've said that God speaks in so many different ways. God God loves to speak. He just doesn't stop speaking. And He speaks in so many different ways. Ways, but the way that we speak or how we hear is what we're trying to understand. And I think if you were to boil it all down into one thing, it's that alignment to God is critical. It seems to me as I keep reading the scriptures, I just read from beginning to end and beginning to end and beginning to end. And every time I read it, it seems the more I read, the more that alignment is what it's all about. It's about aligning your life. To the way God wants it to be aligned so that you can hear from Him. God is speaking, it's like the wind that's blowing, it's always there, but if you're not facing the wind, if you're not catching the wind like you are on a boat, then you're not gonna sail anywhere. If you haven't got your sail up, you're not gonna go anywhere. And God says, like, throughout the Scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, I'm going to keep on blowing the wind of the Spirit, and He's going to keep on blowing. And you know what? I'm going to teach you through the pages of the Scripture how to align your life so that you can catch the wind, right? That's all you need to do. And he did it to the, the, uh, the people of Israel in the Old Testament. He said, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to make a covenant with you, he said, in Deuteronomy 27:28, He said, I'm going to make a covenant, and if you obey what I'm asking you to do, if you align yourself to the wind of the Spirit, then all these blessings are going to be yours. You're going to go like crazy. But if you disobey, you're going nowhere. In fact, you're going to be worse than nowhere because you're, you, you're making a promise that you are going to align your life and then you're going back on it. You know when you were growing up and you made a promise to your parents? Do you remember those days? What happened if you didn't do it? You're grounded for 35 years, right? You're going nowhere. And all your friends are out playing. But nope, nothing. Not for you. You just look pathetic out of the upstairs window of your bedroom because you can't go, you can't do, or oh, no television. These days it's no phones and no you know technology and so on. Anybody have the naughty step? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bringing back scars. Scars here going deep, is it? You have to sit there until you're bored out your mind and your rear end is just I don't know where that's gone, but it's no longer functioning, and you're sitting on the naughty step just to learn. Why? Because there are consequences, and it's the same with God. He said, you know what? Because you're making a promise, I'm not, I'm not telling you you have to do this. He said to the people of Israel, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a covenant promise. I'm going to lay this before you. Do you want to do it, or do you not want to do it? If you don't want to do it, fine. Then you don't get the blessing. And they went, yeah, 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 we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. And he said, if you do it, you get this. If you don't do it, there are consequences. And the Scriptures is just full of that. And it's the same in the New Testament, just different. It's about how we align our lives. And what, I, what I'm trying to teach you, what I'm trying to show you from the Scriptures, and you need to study it yourself, but what I'm trying to reveal to you is how to align yourself. And first, of course, you need to have a relationship with Jesus, you can't align yourself to something you don't know. So first and foremost, like Nicodemus, when Jesus went to Nicodemus, right, or Nicodemus came to Jesus, he says, you know, you've got to be born again. And he's like, what does that mean? And he goes like, you're supposed to be one of the people that's aligned. You're one of the spiritual leaders. And you don't even know what it means to have a relationship? And he's like, I don't know. So first and foremost, you've got to have a relationship. You've got to be connected. John 15, it says, vine and the branches. I cut off every branch that's not bearing any fruit. If you're not connected, poof, gone. But those that are connected, I will prune so that they become even more fruitful. And then he says, you need to keep reading your word. Hands up, those that have read the word four or more times last week. See, still not very many. Good on you that has. But you're never gonna hear the voice of God unless you read his word. That that is this is the chit chat of God, if you want to put it in those ways. Sometimes it's deeper than that. But you're never gonna get a line to God unless you read his word. Right? Get Bible reading notes. Maybe I should just give you some. Like some some just some reading. You know what? I just read it. When I get up every day, I read it. I I just start in Genesis, and I go through the Revelation. And guess what I do when I get to Revelation? I don't put it on the shelf and say, I'm done. I start again. And I go back to Genesis, and I work my way through the Revelation, and I just keep reading it. And the more you read it, the more you start to kind of go, whoa, hang on a minute, that bit there. I remember something over there that's connected to that bit there. And I keep making all these connections all the time. And the more I read it, the more connections that the Spirit of God shows me throughout the pages of Scripture. Now, some of it's really tedious. I'll give you that. Right? There's just lists of people. I have no idea who they are. But there's other bits that I think, well, they shouldn't be in there. That's, that's like 18 rated. That doesn't belong in a nice Bible, does it? And there are other bits that I go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Wow. And there are other bits you kind of go, wow, Lord. (laughs) And all the way through as you keep reading, he keeps teaching you and training you, and he keeps aligning you. He even aligns you without you realizing you're being aligned. But as the researcher, I said, you've got to read it four or more times a week. If you don't, no alignment. It's, it's, It's the way that God works through us to align us. It's through his word. He said, read it, meditate on it. Psalm 119, I meditate on it day and night. We read his word. And as we do that, God, through his spirit, has an opportunity for that alignment. One week, I want to, you have to be honest because you're in church. But one week, I'm going to say four times a week and everybody's going to put their hands up. And then I'll retire. Job done because I can't beat what the Spirit can do for you when you read His Word. You know what I'm going to do? I think after the summer, I'm going to produce some, a reading plan. So maybe we should all read it together. So we just read through together. Same bit each day. You don't have to read too much. Ten minutes a day, five minutes a day. You soon get through the Bible. Read it. And then we said obedience. We have to align ourselves to this. Obedience is critical. And we said the first thing is about serving. You want to hear God's voice, then get into serving God. And I produced, and there's still out there, a list of places over here where we can serve in his church. But you can also serve outside of his church. It's right there. But serving is a way in which God speaks to you. You know, when you do something... Even though you're not quite sure what to do and how to do it, it's then that somebody has to tell you, don't they? they? They teach you how to do it. First time I started playing the piano, guess what I did? I went to a piano teacher. And the piano teacher said, you need to put your hands here and your hands here and do this and do this and do this. And I listened to them. Then later I forgot everything they said. But, you know, at the time I listened to them, right? And so I learned how to play the piano. So I can play. Because God won't say anything unless you're doing something, right? Why would he? If you're not going to go to the piano teacher and say, I want to learn how to play the piano, why would the piano teacher talk to you? They're taught to students that need to know, that need to learn. And it's the same with God. If we're not serving him, why, why, would, he, why would he speak to you? So when we... When we he doesn't call the equipped. He doesn't wait until you can play. He says, when you come to him and says, hey, Lord, I feel you calling me to play the piano, oh, I'll teach you. I feel you calling me to, to, to do and go into prayer ministry, I'll teach you how to pray. I, I feel called to, to go on a welcome team, to welcome people. Then I'll speak to you, through you, to people as they come into the church. I, whatever it is, he's calling you to do. Go do it, and then he'll start speaking. And we've also said, and we've been looking at this for a few weeks now, and I just want to finish it off today. He also speaks when we're giving to him, giving of ourselves through service. But the Bible is full, too, of how we give financially to God. And part of our giving is part of that alignment to him. If you want to be flying along with God at full speed, then you need to get this aspect right in your life. And we looked at three different aspects. We looked at what is it, tithing, how does it differ in the New Testament, and then why is it so important? And we're going to look at that last one today, and then I won't preach on it for another 23 years. We said, what is it? Tithing was giving 10%, right? In the Old Testament, they said you've got to give 10% of your income. But unlike what most of us thought, he said in Deuteronomy chapter 14, he said you give a tenth of your income, you set that aside, and then what you've got to do with it is you take it up to where the temple is, to the place that I'm going to show you, which was Shiloh in those days, and later it was Jerusalem where the temple was. And there I want you to take your 10% and do what with it? Have a party. Eat cake. Right? That's what he said. He said, I want you to take your money and I want you to take it to, to Shiloh where the tabernacle was where Eli was, and, and I want you then to, to have a party with you and your family and your extended family, and don't forget the Levites, because they, they, like, they don't have land and other things. They don't get a 10%, so include them if you can include them. Go up there and celebrate, and you don't party for your own benefit. It's not because Pete and Grace have got engaged kind of party. It's not because, you know, it's, it's my birthday kind of party, you go and party to acknowledge God's blessing on your life. You go there, and you go and eat, and you fellowship, and you say, thank you, God, because of what you've done, how you've blessed me in the last year. And he says, do that for two years, and in the third year, I want you to go and give that 10% to the priests in Shiloh, because they they need money to exist and so on, to look after the temple. And in the third year, you'll still go to partying because you'll be included in so many other parties anyway, right? But in the third year, go do that. And they're going to do it for their celebrations. They're going to do it to look after the widows and the orphans and so on for mission and pay for the cost of the temple and so on. And that's what it says in Deuteronomy 14. That's what the tithe was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, oh, sorry, and it says this, it's so, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Now, why did God say that? He says it because he knows that so often we take our headspace away from God. We don't think about God. I mean, we do on Sundays when we come to church, but the rest of the week, we don't. How many of you haven't read your Bibles four times this week? Haven't. That was most of you. But only a few of you are honest enough to put your hands up. The rest of you are like, oh, that's me. Oh, no. I'm not going to put, no. Why? Because if you're not reading, then how, how much of the time are you spending thinking about God? How much time are you spend learning about God if you're not reading? Right? And he knows, God knows that we get caught up in the things of this world so easily. We walk out of here and what do we do? We go, oh, cake. We've forgotten all about God. I'm now thinking about my belly. Right, And then, oh, I've got, I've got all these things I've got to do. I've got to get the lunch on. I've got to go do this. And then we're busy with the afternoon. And then Arsenal are on at 2 o'clock, apparently, this afternoon. So I better watch that. So I go home, uh, you know, and, and they need to win today because otherwise City are going to overtake them. So I better check that out, right? And then, and then oh, I've got to do this and this and this. And, oh, it's Monday. Tomorrow I've got so many things I've got to get done around the house before Monday comes. And then I'm off to work first thing in the morning. And pretty soon our week has gone by and we go, oh, I'm back in church on Sunday. Whew, that's good. But how much of the time have we thought about God all through it? And so he said, I want you to do this so that you keep on thinking. Why did God put in all these festivals to go to? Why did they have to go to Passover and Purim and, and all these other festivals as well as the tithe? Because he said, I, I want you to keep thinking about me the whole time. So I'm going to interrupt your schedule the whole time so that you can go think about me. Oh, it's time for the tithe again. Oh, we've got to go all the way there. And you can't just get the 185 or whatever it is, the 182 and X, and get there speedily. You have a trudge all your way there. You've got to figure out your 10%. You've got to go. If it's too much, he says, you've got to sell it, and then you've got to get the money, and then you've got to go there, and you've got to buy your food and buy your wine and your drink and everything else. It's a hassle, right? But all the while, you're thinking about God. All the while, God is in your focus. And that's why He does it. Because He wants us to be like this. But the New Testament's very different, wasn't it? We said, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, He says, you know what? Everything changed. You remember I picked this up and we turned the seats around and we did it from that end because everything changed. And I went to the back and I said everything changed because actually you can't go to the temple anymore because we didn't have a temple. So what do we do about giving to God now? Well, Paul says it's got to be regular and consistent and every one of you. And you do it for the Lord's people, but you don't do it under pressure or any guilt to do it. Do it in keeping with your income and have some set aside when you see special needs in, that you can give to. And we looked at that. I'm not going to go over it again. But he says this in Second Corinthians 9. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap Generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You see, there's two things in there that God says. First, you need a generosity of heart. When you're giving to God, how you're giving is more important than what you give. Is there a generosity? What what does it say about What's going on inside? Let, let, let me explain it like this. Who likes chocolate? Oh, yeah, there's more for chocolate than there are for reading the Bible. How about that? Put your hands up if you like chocolate. Okay, Sevash, come on up the front, mate. You're sitting at the back, so you need to come up the front now. Right, I got... In here, some heroes got no kids today, so you get to do this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's your ten. You're welcome. So that's his tithe. Oh, that's not his tithe. That's his annual income, right? That's what he gets. That's what he's earned in the year. Right? Think of it like that. Now the Old Testament says what? You give a tenth. Give a tenth to God. I'm the nearest thing to God, so you better give it to me. <laughs> I'm joking. Give it away. Give a tenth away. Right? That's what it says. Yeah, anybody. Anybody. There you go. Okay? And so you still got nine, right? Now, you can do that, like there's some people that are gasping here, right? Now, that's simple, isn't it? You can do that. You don't even have to think about it. You just go, Pfft. that's easy, right? Where was God involved in that? I mean, did you stop and pray about who you should give it to? No. You just went, oh, less leg work. I'll give it to the front row, <laughs> right? Let's go back to 10. Now, New Testament, and that was the problem, right? It's too easy. And so people were just doing it and saying, Jesus said that to, in Luke. He said to the Pharisees, hey, you're giving your 10. You're giving your tithe, but you're, you're not, you're not, there's no heart in it. You're just doing it because it's easy to do, right? That's no good. Now, New Testament says this. He says, I want you to give away as much as you like out of those ten. But that will demonstrate how generous a kind of person you are. Go for it. Now, that's complex. I mean, how kind of a generous person are you? I mean, it's easy for Savash, right? because he didn't buy them, I did. It hasn't cost him a penny, right? But imagine if this is your income. See, he's handing out my sweets like there's no tomorrow. Now, why is he doing that? He's doing that because it didn't cost him anything, right? Right? he's got none left because he wants everybody he's in church and he wants everybody to think he's the most generous person there is in the history of the Christian religion right look at him look but in life if that's your income would you really give 10 away I mean first you're kind of going hang on i got the bills to pay right you better go grab some back man you how are you going to pay your bills look at Donna she's going I'm homeless here I'm homeless how are you going to do that? Like, you can't just give it all away. Right, they're eating them quick. You don't notice that. <laughs> right? But, but you're kind of going like, and the Bible says, you know what? What you give is going to show your heart of generosity. But it's complex, isn't it? I'd much rather give 10% and say, done, sorted. it. I'm out of here. But the New Testament is going like, oh, this is complicated. Because you've got your bills to pay and you've got, you know, food to get and you've got maybe other people that you need to support or other things and then what about your holiday that you need to save for and what about the money you've got set aside for a rainy day because who knows what the government are going to do, right? Don't even know if there'll be a pension when I get to my pension. Aid. You know, all these kind of things and then you're kind of going, well, what do I have left? Do I give that? I don't know. Hang on. You need 10 more, because it gets even more complicated still. OK, come back, fill up with 10. One, two, three, four. I'm not going to have many left at the end of this, am I? 5, 6, se- oh, 7. Thank you. Oh, no, not the crunchy. I like them. 8. I'm only joking. Well, I'm not joking. I do like the crunchy. 9, 10. He says you know what don't only give generously but also he says I love a cheerful giver I love someone that's doing it with the right heart that's giving away because it shows you know what's going on inside but also God says this in Ephesians this is interesting passage he says if anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work, doing something useful with their own hands. Well, that that kind of makes sense, right? That they may have something to share with those in need. Oh, do you get that? He said, those that have been like sponging, taking money off of others, stop it. This is Paul writing to the church. But he said, "Don't, don't just stop it so that you have resources for yourself. He says, stop it so that you can then be what? a channel to give to others. You see, the sin of money is thinking that we own it, that it's mine. That's the sin of money. To align ourselves to God in every different situation means that I have to recognize that all the resources I have are His. He gets to choose how He flows them through me. Can I say that again? Aligning yourself to God means this in every aspect of your life. It means that you become a channel of God's Spirit. When you pray, if I was to pray for Oma, what am I doing? I've said it before, I'm connecting to God Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. I love him, my neighbor, as I uh, so I, I can't do anything. We, we sang earlier, didn't we, about God being the healer. I can't bring healing to anybody. I don't even know what a different parts of the body are, let alone everything else. Right? I'm useless. But what I can do is I can connect to the Father who is the healer. And the Son and the Spirit. And I connect to Omer who needs the healing in whatever aspect of her life, and I become a channel of God's grace flowing through me and into her. It's no different with our resources. No different. In fact, it's no different in every single area of your life. To align yourself means that you become a channel of everything. So God is saying, not only do I want to, to give away and show your generosity, because God loves a cheerful giver, but he wants, wants to say to you, how much you give away will show everybody else just how much you love me, how much of a channel you really want to be. Now I'm not talking about amount, I'm talking about attitude, Right? It's not about amounts in the Bible. It's about your attitude. Are you going to connect to God and connect to others and be a channel of the resources that he gives to you or not? That's what he's saying. So I'd say to Savash here, you give away as much, but how much you give away will show the people how much you love God. That's difficult again, isn't it? If that was real money, if that was your monthly income, not my sweets. You can give them away now, mate. But if that was your monthly income, that's complicated. Because we've got bills and we got other commitments and everything else. But God says, you know what? How much do you trust me? How much, how much are you going to show people who I am? Your love for me. It's complex but he says you know what I give you resources to share I want you to be channels of me you are my disciples if you love one another just be a channel love the Lord your God love your neighbor be a channel that's what it's all about so do we tithe or do we not tithe? That is the question. Do I give 10% or do I not give 10%? If you've been in any uh, church long enough that talks about money all the time, you'll have come across this passage from Malachi chapter 3. How many people have heard a sermon longer than the sermon on Malachi chapter 3? Yes. I just want to look at it really briefly. It says this. Now, first of all, before we look at it, The book of Malachi is a question and answer session between the people of Israel and God, and God and the people of Israel, right? It's full of questions and answers. And this is just one of them. And those questions and answers are through the prophet Malachi, and it's like a discussion between God and the people of Israel, and the people of Israel and God, and it's because the people of Israel are not aligned to God. And so God is saying, I want you to get back in alignment. That's why bad things are happening to you, people. That's why you're in exile. That's why you've been sent away. Because actually you said to everybody else, to all the other nations, that you're following me, but you're not following me. And so actually you're an embarrassment to me. You'd be like Savash saying, I'm generous and I love God, but I'm keeping all ten for myself. Right? Right? Don't think I got ten left for Savash to do that with, but right? That that's what it's like. That's what the people of Israel were like. They're going, Yeah, 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 we follow God. Yeah, 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 we go worship. But he's going, No, you don't. You're an embarrassment. Because everybody else looks at you and what do they see? They they see you not following me, they see you doing your own thing, going your own way, and you know what? I'm not having it. So he sent them into exile. And said, you know what, forget it. Forget it until you're ready to come back and repent and get back right with me and start following me again. And Malachi is that, it's the last book of the Old Testament. It's, it's, it's about all of that. And so there's loads of questions and answers. And this is one of them. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed, because he made a promise. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty, right? That's just what I've been telling you. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob get me. This is the question, right? But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields will not drop their fruit bef- before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now what God is doing here is just going back to the blessings and cursings of Deuteronomy. It's exactly what he said in Deuteronomy 27:28. When, when he first made a covenant with the people, when they got into the promised land, and they made that covenant treaty, and he says, you do this on Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. They had one on the, the blessings, one they were shouting cursings if we disobey, and the people said, yeah, we're going to do this. And he said, okay, I'll hold you to it. It's exactly the same. But here they've wandered off, and they've stopped doing what he told them to do. Let's just look at what he says. Let's go back. First of all, he says, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Where else in the Bible does it talk about the floodgates opening? Do you remember? The clue is in the word. Noah, correct answer. Well done, Ian. God said, I'm going to open the floodgates of the earth and the heavens and water will come down. Now, why did he do that? He did that to to judge the people, right? So in the times of Noah, when he opened the floodgates of heaven and it started to rain and rain and rain and it wasn't like England, it just carried on raining, right? Here it rains and rains and then you have one brief moment where it stops. But there, it just carried on going, didn't it? And, and he did that for judgment of the people because effectively he judged them and he said, that's it, it's starting again. But here he does it for what? For blessing. In the same way that he deluged the earth, he said, with the rain so that only Noah and his boat and his family were saved, I'm going to deluge you in the same way with my blessings, if you align yourself to me, if you do what I'm asking you to do. That's incredible, isn't it? How much blessing do you think God has got stored up for you in heaven? This much? Enough to fill the whole church? Enough to fill the whole of Harrow? How big is your God? How big is God? Well, I worship the God who holds the whole universes and the whole starry system in his hands. That's big, right? When I look at the stars in the sky and God knows each of them by name, that's, that's big, that's deep, isn't it? We're, we're, we're all talking about hitting Mars and stuff. God, God is visiting planets we've not even know exist that are a zillion, zillion, zillion light years away. I don't even know the numbers, but God's that big, right? And he said, I'm going to flood you with that kind of blessing so that there will not be room enough to store it. He said, not only that, not only am I going to flood you with blessing and pour out when it says I'm going to pour it out, that means when you pour out, you know when you get a jug of water and you pour it out? What it means? It means it's going to be empty, right? Nothing left. I'm going to empty my storehouses in heaven that are full of your blessing, he said. I'm going to pour them on you so that you will receive the whole lot, whether you like it or not. You ever spill a cup of tea or coffee all over your lap? It's never just one bit, is it? It's a pouring out business. And you're like, whoa, that's hot. That's what he's talking about, the whole thing. So there's not going to be enough. And not only that, I'm going to protect it. I'm going to put a ring of fence around you. I will prevent the externals from touching you, from devouring your crops. And the fruit that you have already, I'm going to make sure that it's a blessing. It's not going to drop off prematurely. It's not, it's not going to rot on the vine. It's just going to be abundant, like it says in John 15. I will prune everything so that you have even more fruit. That's what God promises when we realign. When we align to him, there will be blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing in your life. Amen? That's why he says it. That's why he does it. That's what he wants to pour out on you and on me. And he does said so there will be so much that people will see the difference in your life to everybody else's because you will have the blessing of God in your life, in the life of his church, in the life of his community, in the kingdom of God. That's what he says. You know, this is the only time in scripture he says, test me. Yeah, most of the time in scripture he says, do not, do not test the Lord. You're on dangerous ground when you do that. But here, in this, he says, test me in this. He's given you permission to test him. What does test mean? Try it. He says, test me. Put me to the test and see whether I will deliver or not. He says, nowhere else are you allowed to do that. But in this one thing, you can do it. Because this is important to God. So if I were you, you know what I would do? I would do what I did a long time ago, put him to the test. And say, hey, your word says test me. So here I go. I'm going to test you in this. I'm going to align my finances to you. I'm going to say, Lord, these are yours, not mine. Yeah, I'm going to pay my bills and do everything else. Give to Caesar what Caesar. etc. right? But I'm going to say, Lord, they're not mine. They're yours. What do you want me to do? do you remember I said a few weeks ago, oh, when you go on holiday, when you pray, Lord, where do you want me to go? When you go to the shops, you pray, Lord, what do you want me to buy? When you have to make decisions about finances, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because these are not my finances, they're your finances, and I'm just trying to align myself to you. Lord, how do you want me to spend the money, the resources that you've given to us? And we need to do that as a church, as we do that as individuals. And he said, test me in this and see what I will do. I will make you a channel." Of my finances you will see the blessing and the hand of God so what do we do in tithing I think you should do these things first audit regularly am I think about it am am I being a channel of God's resources in my life How am I? Am I showing generosity of spirit? Am I showing that I'm a cheerful giver? Am I am am I giving is my giving to God in all the different areas of my life showing how much I love God or not? Am I doing it? Or am I not doing it? Audit yourself regularly. Ask someone else, somebody close to you. Say, I want to get in line with God. Help me in this. What do you see? What do you honestly see? What are we doing here? And secondly, I would say this, that a tithe should be the minimum of what we give to God. Now, the New Testament assumes that you're giving the tithe. It doesn't ever say don't do it. But I would say, like, even if that's hard, like, I would test God in it and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give you 10% of my income. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it willingly. I'm going to give it with knowledge. I'm going to, because that's what you asked in the Old Testament. So I'm going to align myself to that. With all the things that I've already said today, I'm not going to go over them. But, you know, with the heart, it's the heart that matters. It's how you give that matters. I love the story of this little boy. He went with his mother into a a shop. And his mum went and, and did loads of uh, shopping. And, and on, the, on the counter of this shop, just a little corner shop, was this jar full of sweets. And, and when his mum went to pay for all the groceries and other things, the shopkeeper there said, Son, he said, You can take a handful of sweets if you like for free. They're yours. And the boy hesitated for a bit and he just stood there. And the shopkeeper, no, son, come on. Take a handful of sweets, they're yours. Free of charge. One hand, put it in. And the boy just stood there, looking at the jar of sweets. Looking at the man, looking at the jar of sweets. Guy, the shopkeeper, he checked through everything. Mum paid the bill and so on. Still the boy hadn't put his hand in. And then finally, the shopkeeper put his hand in, grabbed a whole load of sweets, gave it to the boy, and said, there you go, son, off you go. And they got outside the shop, and the, little boy, the mother said to the boy, like, you like sweets? Why didn't you grab a handful of sweets? He said, I thought about it, mum, But then I realized that the shopkeeper's hand was way bigger than mine. You know, God's hand is way bigger than yours or mine. You know that? And I'm not telling you this to give more money to the church or anything like that. I've told you that, right? The only reason I'm saying this is because I want all of us, I long for all of us to be in alignment with God. And God says in his word as you read it right through the pages of scripture. This is what I want you to do. Your financial alignment is, is key. He says test me in this. Because he knows how much we hang on to finances. How much of a tie it is around us or it can be. You see it in all the news, don't you? What, what, what do the super-rich do? Seems like they buy football teams these days because they just don't know what to do with their cash anymore, do they? They bought the yachts and the jets. So now let's buy football teams, a little play thing. Or if, if, if they can afford football teams and that's just too small, why don't we build a space rocket that goes somewhere? And we'll pretend we'll take passengers up and they just don't know what to do with their money, right? Why? Because they know what a kind of a hold money has over us. True? God says, I'm the only one that's allowed to have a hold on your life. Nothing else. You cannot sail with God You cannot be like this, flying along with God if you're holding on to your money. If it's got a hold of you, it's impossible. I wish it were true, but it's not. God says, I'm the only one that's allowed to hold you. Trust me. Trust me, trust me. And when you trust me, I got a big hand. See what I will do. Now I'm not saying that God is gonna make you wealthy. Some people promise that. That's not true. But God will look after you. He said, See, see the birds in the air. They don't worry, I look after them. See the grass. I look after that. See, see, my children, I will look after them. I will care for them. If they align to me, his promises are blessing upon blessing upon blessing in your life. I will look after you, he says, if you only align yourself through your relationship to me. What's the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. I think we need to look at ourselves sometimes and say, Lord, is it really you? Are you really top spot? Does my life Show that. Because I don't know about you, but I want this. I want to meet with Christ when I do face to face. And I don't want to see my storehouse still full in heaven. I want to see an empty storehouse in heaven. Because he's poured out all the blessings on earth. Not for me but through me to bless all the people around me. Let's pray. Father, money is complex. Lord, we like to have that power to spend. I like to be able to go out and not worry. I like to go out and have a nice meal or buy something or go on holidays and But, Lord, it's all yours. And if we're honest, we find it hard to give the things that we earn to you. We talk about my house and my bank account and my this and my that. But actually, Lord, you say, hey, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, it's all yours. And for us to align ourselves to you we have to learn learn that hard lesson that it's all yours that my work is not my work but it's your work that you've given to me to be a channel of blessing where i work that my house is not my house but it's your house that you have allowed me to use and to stay in to be a blessing For your kingdom that my neighbors are not my neighbors but the neighbors that you've brought to me to hopefully allow me to be a blessing into their lives that this is not my church it's your church but you've brought us here to be a blessing into the community and to one another as your people of God that my money is not my money it's yours like you said to that rich young ruler, give it all away because it's got a hold on you. And he couldn't. And Lord, you know how much sometimes things have a hold on us. It's why you say, test me in this. Give, give it to me. Relinquish control. Allow, allow me to govern your life and watch what I can do because Lord your hand is so much bigger than ours your reach is so much further than ours and the blessings that you want to pour out from the storehouses of heaven and you want to empty not on my life but through my life are more than I could ever imagine Lord, I ask today that you would align my life. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, may they end in ceaseless praise. Lord, align us, we pray, and align your church. We ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, as we're praying for ourselves, we just want to pray for.